Future of Finance podcast, where finance finds its future. Hello, I'm Dominic Hobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guest today is Junette Etty, co-founder of CapEx Move, the London-based startup focused on the digitization of capital markets using uh, blockchain technologies. Uh, Junette, thanks very much for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now tell us, tell us the story of, of you know, who and what is CapEx Move? What gave you this idea of applying blockchain technology to the debt capital markets? Yeah. Uh, as you said, we are a London-based startup focusing on digitization of capital markets uh, by using blockchain and smart contract technologies. Uh, in a nutshell, we provide solutions to our clients uh, which support their efforts to remove repetitive and manual tasks from their day-to-day operations. And the reason we focus on that capital markets is that uh, because of the background of uh, my co-founders and also we saw uh, you know quite room for improvement in capital markets now you, you 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 mentioned the background of your of your your co-founders you started in the bond markets um where i'm sure you identified lots of of inefficiencies it's fairly famous f- for them and then you've moved into into other areas of 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 debt markets tell us tell us more about that journey yeah, actually, uh, like we started our journey back in 2017, but in the meantime, uh, we received quite a demand for uh, other financial assets as well. Uh, so, for example, recently we're uh, working with a you know invoice factoring company uh, and uh, trade finance, uh, where blockchain uh, can add a lot of benefits uh, as it it helps institutions to remove uh, the paper-based processes. And also we are working uh, with a microfinance institution to develop a loan origination process uh, based on blockchain technology that will help them to to make the whole process more transparent. Now, um, you're obviously a blockchain uh, technology company. You've... uh, um, you're looking at the bond markets. You're looking at uh, at factoring. You're looking at trade finance. You're looking at, uh, at microfinance. What is the the particular application of blockchain to these asset classes, and why does it deliver superior outcomes to the outcomes which uh, market participants are getting today from old-fashioned legacy technologies? Yeah, uh, because when you look at the conventional uh, structure of financial markets, there are a number of intermediaries uh, involved. In, in all transactions. And also uh, because of uh, using multiple databases, uh, you know, that, that results certain differences uh, in time. And uh, that requires manual intervention from uh, financial institutions for data reconciliation, which is quite costly and time consuming. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. There's some, um... Uh, intermediation levels and and databases in a, in, a, in a second, but just want to clear one thing up at the outset. Are you looking to uh, digitize outstanding uh, debt issues, or are you focusing at this stage purely on on new issues? Yeah, uh, as a company, our focus is the new issues. Uh, you know, uh, we are dealing with uh, financial institutions who are looking forward to. Uh, issue uh, new bonds for their existing clients. Mm-hmm. 
but you would expect that the cost advantages of, of, of adopting your technology will gradually the old legacy debt will be retired and you would expect if your expectations are fulfilled for everybody to start using this methodology yeah definitely uh, because uh when you look at the even the pilot projects around the world uh, the, the 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 results are uh, quite promising like you know uh, the the benefits when it comes to cost and uh, fastening the the, the, the whole process is it's really amazing and it makes no sense for outstanding issues to tra transition onto this technology yeah I, I i guess so at least that's what i observe in the market right anyway you're you're using um uh one of the advantages of the blockchain technology uses is ability to use smart contract these pieces of code which which automate processes uh now um, I can I can see off the top of my head lots of applications for that in calculating coupons, paying coupons, uh, redeeming bonds. All of that can be put into uh, into smart contracts, I guess. Um, how do these differ from the legacy infrastructure which people are, are using to do these processes today? Are we talking about human beings uh, shuffling paper? Or are we talking about a more complex series of processes and, and links between different institutions? Yeah, uh, I think one, one example we can uh, use is that uh, central securities depositories, uh, which uh, you know, holds the, the digital version of securities. Uh, like we can leverage a blockchain system, which is going to act like a CSD, but it's gonna be uh, much more cost efficient, uh, whereas all stakeholders will have the almost real-time access to most up-to-date information about the transactions. Mm. And the transactions will, will settle almost immediately. Can, can I press you for a few more details on that? So at the moment, in a, in a traditional issue, the, the issuer issues the bonds into a central securities depository, often in a in a, in a global form that CSD is responsible for guarding the integrity of the issues. It also takes on the responsibility of settling, you know, deliveries of those securities against, against cash payment, usually in, in central bank money. Are you saying now that what happens here is that the bonds are issued by the issuer directly into the accounts of the, uh, either the distributors of the bond or the investors in the bonds? Is that how it works? So you can dispense with the CSD function altogether and transactions settle uh, you know, delivery against payment on your blockchain network. So your both functions, both the main functions of CSD disappear. Is that right? Uh, I think like uh, removing the CSD from the picture is going to be a huge step. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's going to happen or when. Uh, but uh, by utilizing a blockchain system, as you said, the issuer can directly uh, create a security on the blockchain uh, including all the stakeholders, it could be the, the agent banks uh, or the investors, etc. Uh, okay, so CSDs are, are, are that that function is not necessary any longer. So that's one one huge cost saving. Now, clearly, people who are using the existing infrastructure, um, which you've referred to, of central security depositories and, and agent banks and, and presumably underwriting and sub-underwriting banks uh, as well. Now, they have to be persuaded, including the issuers and the investors, have to be persuaded to stop doing things the way they're doing it and, and move to this new uh, uh, approach. Now, 
what are the main advantages? What are the main arguments that are going to persuade them, the benefits and advantages? What are going to persuade them to change the way they're doing things? What are they? Uh, so obviously, uh, the cost is is the biggest thing, I think. And uh, the second thing is going to be the transactions being uh, much faster and uh, having a better oversight uh, on transactions is pretty important for financial institutions when it comes to not only regulatory reporting, but also measuring their risks, uh, like what they're holding in the balance sheet, etc. So for example, one example I can give here is the uh, monitoring of the covenants. Uh, for many institutions, it's a pretty manual uh, process, but by leveraging smart contracts and blockchain technology, uh, if you create a, a digital version of the bonds, uh, you can almost automate the covenant monitoring uh, by using what we call oracles. And uh, by doing so, uh, the, the financial institutions almost immediately become aware of any covenant breaches and can react uh, to it instead of like sitting on that risk for seven days or 10 days. Mm -hmm. The Oracle, by that you mean a, a third party source of price information? Yeah, it, it, in, in, in the blockchain world, uh, what we uh, refer as Oracles is that gateways to, to the real world because uh, the, the blockchain technology has no visibility or smart contracts has no visibility about what's going on in real life. And uh, what in, in real life we refer as off-chain and blockchain is called on-chain. So in order, to, uh, in order for smart contracts to interact with uh, real life events or respond to them, there should be a gateway and that gateway is called oracles. Right, okay. Now you mentioned cost a minute ago and um, the classic benefit of, of blockchain is, is disintermediation, losing uh, intermediaries. Is that a feature of, of what you're proposing to do? You're going to start losing some of the intermediaries who add cost to this, both for issuers and for investors? Yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, in our current financial transactions, uh, like we require third parties and legacy, rely on legacy systems. And uh, this is not only for individuals, but it also applies to financial institutions. So using leveraging those third parties uh, bring trust, but also bring additional costs and uh, you know time as well. So uh, by removing these intermediaries uh, from the system, uh, there will be huge cost benefits for uh, the remaining stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other um, uh, classic benefit of blockchain is, of course, um, ending the need for for data reconciliation, you've got a single uh, ledger on having to reconcile uh, dozens of ledgers between all the different parties in the in in the chain. Um, talk me through how your technology delivers that benefit to issuers and investors. Yeah, in our current world, like uh, almost all of the stakeholders maintain their own versions of the database, uh, and 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 as a result, uh, the information each party maintains not always match others' uh, databases. And uh, in order to overcome uh, these differences, uh, parties need to manually uh, interact with each other and try to understand what is the under, underlying uh, reason for that difference and try to solve it. This is a almost completely manual uh, process. 
that consumes a lot of cost, resources, and time. And uh, but by using a blockchain system uh, that effectively becomes a single source of information to all stakeholders, uh, which is almost always up to date. Uh, this, this kind of structure ensures that parties involved in a transaction always have access to the most recent version of the information that is available. Now, smart contracts must be another a source of, of cost saving. I think what most people think of as a smart contract is it triggers an action when some conditions are, are met. Mm -hmm. uh, give me an example of, of how a smart contract is going to operate, I don't know, in the bond markets. Yeah. Uh, so in the bond market, there, uh, as you said, a number of intermediaries. And these intermediaries, uh, in many cases, interact with each other by using phones or emails, etc. Uh, but by using smart contracts, one action is going to trigger the other one, which is already coded uh, in a smart contract that will fasten the process and remove the, the resources that, that, that are currently used uh, to perform those operations. Uh, and also, uh, when you look at the functions of financial institutions that are responsible for internal controls or regulatory compliance, uh, you know, significant amount of resources are devoted to those functions. But uh, when you look at it, actually their actions are pretty reactive instead of being proactive. Uh, by leveraging smart contracts uh, in uh, capital markets, you can uh, embed the rules uh, in a token, uh, in a tokenized, if you're talking about a tokenized bond, you can embed all the rules and regulations in that token. And by this way, you ensure that uh, that digital asset is going to be complying with all the existing rules and regulations during its life cycle. Now, in a normal bond issue, those rules will be written down in, a, in the form of a legal contract between the issuer, uh, the various servicing parties, and the and the end investors. Um, is is the the status, if you like, of smart contracts in in law sufficiently established uh, to be able to simply add to the tokens? pay this coupon on this date if this person owns this this bond. Is there still legal reforms which are necessary for this model to work? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, the, the current level of technology enables us to perform certain actions. And the way we classify it is when you look at, when we look at a contract, a legal contract, uh, we classify clauses under two different categories, one operational and one non-operational. Paying a coupon is quite operational for us because you can code it. It's, it could be coded in a binary form, like ones and zeros, because you know the date, you know the party you have to pay, you can calculate the amount you have to pay, etc. cetera. Uh, this is easy, but uh, the non-operational clauses, such as in, you know, fairness, et cetera, uh, it's, it's not easy for computers uh, to to comment on subjective stuff. Uh, that's why, from technological perspective, we need a little bit more enhancement. But uh, you know, coming back to your question, 
I think uh, there's still more to do from a legal perspective as well, because it's uh, like super new technology. And uh, we know that uh, UK authorities and also other authorities around the world working towards the adapting those technologies. And what about mistakes? What, uh, you know, you, you can't retrieve a smart contract once it's executed something, it's just, it's done. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the normal bond markets, mistakes are made all the time. Yeah, exactly. all the time. Uh, that's one of the questions uh, we receive a lot. And uh, actually there are certain things we can do uh, and we do uh, in our developments. Uh, what we do is actually uh, we put what we call a kill switch in a smart contract. And that kill switch can uh, you know, stop the function of a contract under certain circumstances if uh, the consent from uh, all the stakeholders are received. So uh, in, in real life, uh, like if you agree on uh, not performing certain actions uh, that a smart contract is gonna do probably tomorrow, but you don't want to do it. Then uh, if all stakeholders, uh, you know, go to the platform, click a couple of buttons saying that, okay, we consent to uh, not to perform this action, uh, smart contract is not going to do that. Now we, we've talked about law, we've talked about, you know, correcting operational errors, if you like. Um, what about the regulators? They have an interest in, in, the, in the behavior and performance of, of the marketplace as well. And they would expect to receive reports as to what's going on. Can you automate that regulatory reporting process as well? Yes, exactly. Uh, because uh, the, one of the benefits of blockchain we already talked about is being a single source of truth. And uh, it has the capability to uh, like collect and recall uh, all types of information you define at the inception. And uh, by doing so, uh, you also create a database that you will be able to leverage uh, for regulatory reporting. And you don't have to uh, end up working on Excel sheets, trying to reconcile the information that you gather from different departments of the bank. And uh, that will ease the, the, the process of regulatory reporting as well. Now, ESG is a, is a case in point here. If I'm an asset manager and I'm running an ESG uh, fund, I want to buy some debt. Um, uh, and it'd be nice to know whether the this bond issue is being used to finance a a coal mine or a nuclear power station or to burn the Brazilian rainforest or you know, to understand its purpose. Um, is that the kind of information which you can uh, build into that reporting service as well? Yeah, exactly. Uh, smart contracts powered by oracles uh, that help them to communicate with the real, real world can, can not only fasten the process and make it cheaper, but uh, more importantly, uh, can make it uh, more transparent. And I think when it comes to e a topic like ESG, uh, the transparency is going to be more uh, critical compared to cost. Uh -huh. But again, you, you'd be retrieving that information from the outside world through these oracles. And, uh, and can it be bespoke to the, to the needs of a particular asset manager or investor? Can they say, well, I want to see this, but I don't want to see that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, at the inception, you can code uh, the rules in a way that it will be visible, a certain type of information will be only visible, a certain type of 
stakeholders uh, that have authority to access that information. Now, we often read about regulators becoming nodes on blockchain networks, starting to see what's going on inside marketplaces, even right down to the level of, of individual bilateral transactions. Um, now, I can see advantages for that in that in the regulators have, have more rapid access to what's going on in a marketplace so they can anticipate problems. Um, more readily, but also there'll be disadvantages. You know, our issuers and investors are going to be comfortable with regulators being part of the same network um, as they are. I mean, you must have thought about this, the balance yeah. between these two issues. Um, what's your what's your your view between the regulators as as the precogs in the minority report versus um, protecting the privacy? Mm -hmm. and confidentiality of the information of private actors yeah uh in the in the current world in the current systems we have uh when you look at the regulators and their reviews they're quite uh, like transaction focused and retrospective so uh, they have certain concerns about a certain period or certain type of transactions that say and they extract that information and uh, review it and you know reach a certain conclusions um, the way I see it uh, in the in the future, we will start to, to see development of smart contract standards, or at least uh, good practices in the market. And maybe the regulators uh, will require institutions to adopt such standards. So this way, uh, the whole process from their perspective will be more proactive as well, instead of being just responding to misconduct that already happened. Now, to, to go back to the um, the big theme of what you're doing, reduction of, of, of costs. Now, lower costs in any market generally means that market can get bigger and it can, it can grow faster. In this case, issuers pay less to borrow money, investors pay less to invest. Uh, and are you projecting, um, have you made any projections about what sort of growth this might add to the to the debt markets if you said well if you cut this amount of cost out they will grow x percent faster maybe move into a whole new asset classes have you thought about that at all yeah i think it will be beneficial for uh, many stakeholders involved in uh, in in the markets so for example if you are an issuer uh, like capital markets uh, provide you a lot of great tailored solutions uh, but the thing is it comes with a cost right now and uh, if the transaction volume uh, amount is not above a certain threshold, uh, it's, it, it's no more cost efficient uh, for the issuer. But by leveraging these kind of solutions, actually, uh, I think the, the banks or financial institutions will be able to offer uh, the same solutions to uh, smaller companies like SMEs maybe in the future. And uh, this way, it will also benefit, uh, in my view, the investors, because uh, investors will have a larger pool to select from when they are investing. And at the end of the day, it, it will help them to uh, more efficient diversification and uh, less risks in their portfolios. Okay. So to be clear about what you're saying, tokenization of, of debt issues onto a, onto a blockchain network means that the advantages of being a large issuer or a large investor are, are somewhat reduced. This can, this can bring smaller issuers to market and bring smaller investors to, to market as well because 
of the sort of kind of inverse scale economies. That's what you're saying, is it right? Exactly, exactly. Because unlike conventional uh, IT infrastructures or uh, infrastructures financial institutions are using, if you adopt a blockchain solution, uh, the additional uh, client or additional issuer is not bringing a lot of cost to the financial institution. It's pretty scalable once you uh, set up the system. Uh-huh. Right, well, it sounds, uh, it sounds a great vision of, of the future. Um, you've been at this, as you say, since 2017. What, uh, what are the obstacles you still see in your path towards, towards realizing this? Well, tell us where you've got to and then tell us what obstacles you, you feel still lie in your path. Yeah, I think you, you already mentioned one concern, which is uh, privacy. It's a big concern for both investors and issuers. Uh, people don't want, don't like the idea of uh, their data being out there accessible to many different parties. And uh, when we say data being out there, in the case of blockchain, it's going to be out there for a long time because you cannot delete it easily. Uh, so uh, like I think uh, we will end up developing certain mechanisms to uh, mitigate those risks. Uh, one thing we use is encryption. Uh, in certain cases, if the, the inf- information is considered as confidential, uh, we still put it uh, on blockchain, but in an encrypted form, uh, which limits the access to uh, unwanted un- or unauthorized parties. And the other big challenge I see is the interoperability, uh, which stands for different blockchain systems uh, communicating with each other. Uh, Because uh, I think the big risk for financial system is that uh, different financial institutions developing their own permissioned private blockchain networks, which are not capable of talking to each other. Uh, In that case, we still end up with the almost same problems, uh, like having data reconciliation issues, etc. So I think uh, interoperability is going to be a a huge uh, focus going forward in the blockchain world. And what's the solution to that interoperability problem? Is it data standards? We need a SWIFT for, for blockchain or something? Yeah, data standards is definitely a big, big thing because uh, even even institutions develop their own solutions. I think the data has to be standardized anyway. Uh, I think uh, institutions are going to adopt certain standards, uh, like ISDA developed uh, great standards uh, from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing is, uh, even you have the standards, uh, it doesn't mean that different blockchain systems will be able to talk to each other because they will be built on different infrastructure and different technologies. Uh, and you're going to have to coexist with the existing systems as well. So you kind of have to interoperate with them too, do you not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think uh, there will be a process where uh, both type of assets will exist together. But uh, once the, the benefit of uh, digital assets and tokens uh, will become super clear, crystal clear, then uh, the financial institutions will start focusing on uh, converting existing debt and securities uh, to digital assets. Mm-hmm. 
I'll ask you just one last question. I mean, building a, a blockchain network, persuading people to use it is, is, is one thing. And you touched on this, this earlier, the question of changing laws and regulations. You're, you're based in the United Kingdom. Do you feel that, that the system of English law and the system of United Kingdom financial regulation is um, hospitable to what you're trying to do or do you need it to change further? I think uh, I can I can say that UK is one of the countries uh, at the forefront of this technology uh, from that perspective, because uh, I think we are fortunate enough to have uh, like regulatory bodies or uh, government institutions who are working uh, very proactively on this this technology, uh, including the Financial Conduct Authority. Uh, you can look at the HMRC or Law Commission. Uh, they have been working on that technology and they're looking for the ways to adapt the existing rules and regulations so that it becomes uh, easy for innovation to, uh, to work on the existing infrastructure. Uh, Juliet Etty, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks again for having me.